I'm Jeff Wells, and you're listening to Walk Among Heroes podcast episode six from our trip to Europe with Reed Clanton, veteran of World War II, Omaha Beach, D-Day, Battle of Bulge, just an amazing guy. So it's episode six of our trip and then episode 35 overall for Walk Among Heroes. Just want to thank all of you for listening and following along, and thank you for following along on Instagram and Facebook. Believe it or not, we're on TikTok now, and it's just unbelievable the number of views that we've had. We're approaching, I think, a million views on, on one of the videos we posted on Mr. Clanton. If you want to check that out, it's, a, it's also at Walk Among Heroes. So Facebook, Instagram, and t- TikTok at Walk Among Heroes. Uh, we're now in Bastogne, Belgium. Yesterday was a travel day. As of right now, it's 11 o'clock or so at night on Thursday, June 9th. Uh, we traveled yesterday and Wednesday from France to Belgium, got settled in last night, and spent the day today in Bastogne. It's just amazingly historic place. You've heard me talk about the Battle of the Bulge. We've interviewed folks that were involved in the Battle of the Bulge, but just one of the biggest battles in our history. It was it was the Germans' last, it was Adolf Hitler's last uh, major only, really only offensive. Uh, and when it failed, it ultimately spelled defeat for the Germans, but victory for the U.S. was far from certain. There were some really scary days, really scary moments when uh, our our the future uh, of the Allies was in jeopardy, and that's where Bastogne comes into play. Bastogne was right at the center of the Battle of the Bulge, and it was the key ground that was needed by both sides. And, well, what it boils down to is we had the heart to hold on to it, against great, great odds. And so it's really an honor to be here. It's the first time I've ever been to, to Bastogne. Super special because Mr. Clanton's here. Of course, he did most of his fighting in the Battle of the Bulge up by Marche, which is where we're going to go tomorrow. And so we'll have more to follow on that. But for now, I think it would be very helpful to just give everybody a very detailed overview of the Battle of the Bulge. Today, we visited the one, we visited two museums, but the first museum we visited was the 101st Airborne Museum as it relates to Bastogne and this area. And there's a gentleman by the name of Johnny, and he provided just an unbelievable overview of the Battle of the Bulge as a whole, meaning what started it, how did it begin, how where were the Germans at at that point, where, where was the United States at at that point, where were the other allies at, what was happening in other parts of Europe, and just really doing a great job of setting the stage and then going day by day through the Bulge. Just a little warning, it is very detailed. So if you're not interested in the minutiae of this military stuff, uh, World War II stuff, then may not be the podcast for you. But if you like details and understanding exactly what happened, you'll probably really enjoy it. So I really want to thank Johnny for taking the time to do it. I want to thank the museum for being so kind to Mr. Clanton. They served his lunch. They just treated him like a king, treated us incredibly well. And if you ever get a chance to go to that museum, you got to go. I mean, it is just awesome. They have so many artifacts, so many things that, that are on display, so many things they found here in this local area. Uh, just, just simply amazing. So hope you enjoy it. Uh, here's Johnny from the 101st Museum in Bestone. Suddenly, uh, in December 44, the German reverse. They wanted to get the Antwerp to cut up supplies. And then, afterwards. That's why you're here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. The Battle of the Bulge is one of the greatest battles during the Western Campaign and has a very important and strategic importance that we will see it together. 
First, we're going to follow that structure. First, we're going to analyze the German situation by summer 44. Then the origin of the plan, the choice of the Western Front, the German plan, called Wacht am Rhein, that's the code name of that operation, the preparations, the generalized situation, what did the Allies know about it? December 16, the Battle of Bastogne, losses and conclusion. And it starts on the beaches in Normandy. Why? June 6, 1944. What does it mean? We're all going to say it's landing in Normandy. Yes, but what does it mean? What does D-Day mean? Yeah. Departure day. Yes, but... But... It means that the Allies are setting a foothold on the continent of Europe. It's a new front. Right. So, till then, 80% of the Russian troops are deployed in the east. Now, landing in Normandy means an opening of a new front. Okay? The general German situation by summer 1944. Germany is between east and west and is retreating everywhere. Only during the months of June, July, and August, the German army lost 1,500,000 soldiers. Oh. That's to say 15,000 soldiers each day. But was still acceptable for Hitler. Okay? Every day, every day to destroy the industrial potential of Germany, the USAF Army Air Force bombed the railways, the industrial areas, the cities, the airports, the the very uh, important places in Germany, and the Royal Air Force bombed during the night. Okay? The morale is very low inside the population, but also in the army. Okay, and what happened on 20 July 1944? <coughs> That's to say, a little bit more than one month after the landing. Break out. Paris? Not yet. It's called Operation <coughs> Valkyrie. Oh, the yeah. attempt on Hitler's, Hitler's life. life. Yeah. Yeah, but that's a proof. It proves that they don't believe in Hitler anymore. And that attempt was made by officers from the regular army. What is the regular army? It's important to understand. There's different things. Very, very much. I knew that you would answer this, Wehrmacht. No. The Wehrmacht is the German army with four pillars. Luftwaffe, the Air Force. Here, Ground Force. Kriegsmarine. Kriegsmarine? Navy. And Waffen-SS. The fighting SS units are entirely integrated in the Wehrmacht. But the Wehrmacht has nothing to say about nomination of officers, ideology to the Waffen-SS. So the Waffen-SS is attached to the Wehrmacht. And the Wehrmacht is the German army. But the regular army is this. So after July 20, Hitler doesn't trust the regular army anymore. Only these guys. Okay? And 
after mid mid July, hairdressing is is aware about the situation in uh, Germany, the German situation, and he had to admit that there is no way out for Germany with two fronts open, and he started thinking about a counteroffensive, and. The Allies gave him the opportunity to build up and to launch the offensive. Why? Because we were moving slower than we thought, because we didn't have the supplies and the gas and those sorts of things. Exactly. When the Allies landed in Normandy... The original intention of the Allies was to end the war by December. Absolutely. That was the original yeah. intention. When the Allies landed in Normandy, 80 kilometers front, then Three months later, you have 600, and you have to provide resupply everywhere. And everything is coming from Normandy. The main harbors in France are still under the German control till the end of the war. If not, they were totally destroyed. Okay? Mid-July, the Allies had 67 divisions. This division is between 14,000 and 16,000 soldiers. Each division needed 900 tons resupply daily. So there is, a, there is a slowdown in the Allies' progression. Also due to the, to the fact that the US Army Air Force and the Royal Air Force destroyed bridges, roads, crossroads, railways. So during that progression, the Allies couldn't use these bridges, these railways, to, to continue progression against Germany, okay? So even with heavy losses, German troops retreat, 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 and Hitler brought back a lot of units behind that black line here. It's almost a Siegfried line. That's the front line in December 15, okay? Then, convinced that there is no way out due to that slowdown of the progression and due to changings, very important changings in the Allies' progression. Hitler said suddenly in September to a couple of fanatics, no one, no leader here was aware about it, okay? I'm gonna counterattack. Everybody is surprised, okay? And it starts slowly about an idea of a counterattack. When the Allies arrived at the River Seine, Paris and so on, they had no plan for the future operation, except that one guy who came with a plan asking total priority. It was Montgomery. Okay, and Montgomery wanted to have total priority to be the first one to continue bypass and made a, a rush to the industrial area of the rural to be. Eisenhower didn't accept the total priority, but something happened on 8th September 44. Very important. It shocked the Allies. It surprised the Allies. No idea? It's fired from the woods here in the Ardennes. It's the, fir it's the first V2 racket. And that first V2 racket fell in the neighborhood of Paris. Then two days later, British intel discovered that the main launching sites were deployed north of Holland. And that's why Eisenhower said, 
Okay, Montgomery, now you have total priority. Relieving Patton to a secondary row. Patton has to stop. Gives all priority. And the problem resupply was totally given to Montgomery. You're going to say, yes, but the harbor of Antwerp. The harbor of Antwerp was seized intact on September, on the 4th of September, 44, thanks to the Belgian resistance. But Montgomery didn't pay attention to the accesses to the harbor. From the sea to the harbor, it's 80 kilometers. Okay? He gave total priority for Operation Market Garden. And the Germans retreated north of the axes and build up a strong defense and the British, the Canadians and the Polish will pay a high price to liberate the axes to the harbor. So Antwerp was not usable till the end of November. So it ceased intact on 4th September and the first ship arrived in the harbor on the 20th of November. Okay? Then suddenly the front got solid still, a block. And then Hitler decided, I'm gonna attack in the Ardennes. That decision was taken on 16 September 1944. Okay, and that's only that idea of the counterattack is only shared with a couple of fanatics in Berlin. Okay, why in the Ardennes? If you see the map here, the Ardennes called the Ghost Front. What is strategic in the Ardennes? Absolutely nothing. Okay, very important north of the city of Liège, where the Americans had their huge supply depots, and Antwerp, a vital harbor, okay? And there's nothing strategic, the gas front, deep valleys, rivers, uh, forests, and the Andes is a rest place. For divisions like 28 and the 4th, who came back from the combat of Urgan forest totally exhausted. Each, each division lost about 6,000, 7,000 soldiers. We are sending the Ardennes to spend Christmas and New Year at a quite safe place. There is nothing strategic. And then three green divisions, the 99 and the 106. All these guys arrived at the end of November. 80% of the guys were sick, ill, due to the long travel on board of open trucks in, in absolutely a gloomy weather, weather in November. And uh, they just arrived one week before the attack to slowly discover the field and for future operation. And the only armored, divi uh, armored division is the 9th, split in three combat commands. So on a 120 kilometer front from Munchau till Echternach, only five divisions. Mm -hmm. Okay? Because the main efforts were given to the north, but blocked. Then here, south of Aachen, then blocked, okay, come out of the Oregon forest, and the Americans were afraid to continue because that area here is a very flat area, could be over, overflown because they were still controlling the dams, the Germans. Then after that, Patton received priority, and Patton was preparing an offensive plan for December 20. Okay? Is it okay for you? Okay, now, there is also a very important reason why the counter-offensive would be launched in the Ardennes. You have East 
of that great forest, the industrial area of Germany, the Ruhrgebiet. It's absolutely vital for Germany to preserve it. Even under the daily bombings, the Germans were able to produce a lot, more than in 42 and 43. Okay, but how is it, how is it possible to continue the war if that industrial area is seized by the Allies? It has to be protected. And by launching an offensive in the Ardennes, the threat on that industrial area is ill. Okay? Then Hitler, the fanatic, said, I'm going to counterattack for one reason. And that's for me one of the most important things. Convinced there is no way out for Germany with two fronts open, Hitler is convinced if I can launch a last main offensive and destroy 30 Allied divisions, the impact on the public opinion and among the politicians in the United States and in England, he was convinced about that, would be so important that they would certainly ask me to sign a separate peace with me. So the aim, the strategic aim of the Battle of the Birch is to bring the Allies around the table to, to negotiate and start negotiations about a separate peace, allowing him to send all the troops from the West to the East and find a positive way out for Germany. That's the strategic aim of the Battle of the Birch. Okay? So make the difference between the strategic aim and the military objective is Antwerp. Military units need to have a quite clear objective, a bridge, a village, a city, a harbor, okay, that must be quite clear on the, on the battlefield, okay? Then he asks his staff to prepare a plan, and that plan is prepared in Berlin in high secrecy. No leaders will take part in the offensive are involved in the preparation. Okay, so the plan is prepared in Berlin, very far away from reality. Okay, okay for you? Perfect. Hold yeah. on the line. Okay, and the German plan. The plan is prepared and end of October, the plan is presented to the different commanders. End of October. Okay, and the total priority and the main effort is given to the 6th SS Panzer Army with the fanatic SS divisions, okay? Lucky enough, on the command of a stupid guy, Zeb Dietrich. He was not even able to read the map. Plus, he was a criminal and a fanatic from Hitler from the 20s, since the 20s. And Hitler made him general, lucky enough. All the German generals after the Battle of the Bulge Okay, isn't it? To mention that the first reason of the failure is the undiscipline of the SS unit. But that's okay. So the 6th SS Panzer Army has to go as quick as possible, break through, made a deep penetration inside the lines, cross the river Meuse between these two cities, deploy two corps, and go to Antwerp. By doing that, they arrive at the huge supply depots, break the aliens between the British North and the American South and arrive at Antwerp. That's the main effort. 
Okay? In the center, lucky enough for the Germans, a real German Prussian commander, von Monteufel. Okay, from the military academy. Has to do the same. Go as fast as possible to the River Meuse, cross the River Meuse between these two cities, deploy left and go to Antwerp. Okay? Then the third army will take part in the attack. Zipton army has to go as quick as possible to the to the that small city, not cross the river, Meuse, and then to turn south. That's what we call protect the flank. Locking position. Okay? When that plan was presented to the different commanders, there was all again, but they accepted. Why again? Because it was too ambitious if you compare the possibilities, the human possibilities and the material possibilities by that time. But they, they accepted because it was the last possibility, possibility for the Germans to change the course of war. Okay. Then the preparation. The preparation of and the build-up of that offensive is certainly the greatest success of Wacht am Rhein. Okay? First, the code word Wacht am Rhein plays a very important role. Wacht am Rhein. You know what it means? More German speaking among you? Wacht means guard. Guard on the river rain. The river rain is a very important natural obstacle. Okay? And the rain is about 80 kilometers behind the front line. Okay? And the great success of the preparation. See, preparation must be made in high secrecy. It was absolutely vital for the Germans that the Americans ignore what's going to happen and to avoid a reinforcement of the Ardennes sector. Okay? That's why the build-up of the units will take part in the attack happened between 60 and 80 kilometers from the front line. Okay? And the front line by that time was only defended by secondary units. What the Germans called Otto Bataillon, where I couldn't hear anymore. And Magen Bataillon, all guys with problems, with stomach problems. But even a guy who, has, who is missing a leg is still able to use a machine gun in a pillbox and make a lot of damages. Okay? And the Allies couldn't understand, uh, the Germans couldn't understand why between 16, December 16, during the period of October and November, why the Americans didn't launch the attack and made a breakthrough because it was weakly defended. Okay? But they were focused first north and here, and afterwards Patton was preparing an offensive. And for the Allies, that sector is just a gospel. Okay? 
For the preparation, Hitler gave total priority for these three armies. Total priority in the production of tanks, fuel, ammunition, creation of new divisions, Volksgrenadier division. You have kids from 16 years old to 65. These are real army units with a couple of weeks training, equipped and then to the front. Okay? Every, every, every movement towards the Eiffel, that huge forest, must be made during the night. And then during, a, yeah, during the night, and then during the day, the trains were in tunnels to avoid reconnaissance. Okay? The Germans created even shoes for horses. So they couldn't hear the columns of horses bringing artillery pieces to the front. Okay? And that preparation was really, really well done. Totally ignored or not. That's the first, that's the second chapter. What did the Allies know? So, a first wave, about 250,000 soldiers will attack. And is that totally ignored by the Americans and the British? Yes or no? If you say yes, tell me yeah. why. If you say no, tell me why. <laughs> it was largely ignored by by the commanders, but didn't Eisenhower didn't Eisenhower make the decision not to totally ignore it? Not exactly. Okay. It was not not totally ignored. That's why I told you it's a great success because the buildup happens eighty kilometers behind the front line. Okay. First. All the Allies arrived to the conclusion that the Germans were preparing a strong defense on a natural obstacle. Mm -hmm. And they were all convinced that the Germans had no offensive capacity anymore. And that they are preparing to defend motherland. Okay? So why should they Reinforce the audience. There is no danger for them because the Germans are far away from the front line, preparing a strong defense. Except the one guy who does not agree with that. I told you that Patton was preparing an offensive in that direction planned for December 20. When his G2 officer, Colonel Koch, informed him about the presence of units on the left, on his left flank, Patton Imagine that mad general suddenly, because his, his guys, his staff, and everybody is working uh, for a huge offensive in that direction, and suddenly a mad general comes and says, I want you to prepare another plan if I have to cancel my offensive and turn north, and you already pointed out Bastel. Mm -hmm. Guys were burned out. See, he's completely mad. We are working in that way, and suddenly he asks us to go in that direction. It's about 200,000 soldiers with 100,000 vehicles. Okay? But Patton didn't inform his superior, Bradley and Eisenhower. Bradley was the commander of the 12th U.S. Army Group, and Eisenhower, the Supreme Allied Commander. He did not inform? No, he did not. But you will see it. Mm -hmm. Okay? Wait a little bit. Then, two three or, or two or three days before the attack, during the night, artillery units, only during the nights, left 
their position, moved to the front line, took position. Then, one day before, uh, two days before, infantry. And then, hidden in woods, in villages. Special units were created for camouflage. And then one day before, the, the armored units. And then suddenly, on December 16, the, fr the, fr the front flared up on 120 kilometers front. Mm. Okay? Is it okay for you? Mm -hmm. Okay. Too late to reinforce the Ardennes, of course. December 16, on 120 kilometer front, the Germans broke through. Okay? Everybody is surprised. But it's not considered as a main offensive. For some generals, they consider that on the first day of the attack, that it's to disturb the buildup of Patton's third army. Okay? And uh, they ignore where the Germans are going and the main objective. But it came to the conclusion, it's to stop Patton, to avoid him to launch his offensive, okay? But on the second day, they had to admit that's a major offensive, okay? But till then, still ignoring where the Germans are going, what is the aim of that offensive? From the beginning, Hitler ordered to his panzer commanders, don't involve forces to see small towns, bypass and continue. You have to conduct that battle like a steamroller. Don't give the opportunity to the Americans to take the initiative again, okay? Like a steamroller. Don't forget the aim is to destroy as much as division possible to sign a separate peace, to bring them around the table, okay? But the Americans would take another, other decisions. First, the first decision is Patton received an order to cancel his offensive. He has to wait for new orders. Two, the Allies decided about strategic points. And that's why Bastion, <clears throat> that's the only reason why. Not for the Belgian French fries or the sausages, not at all. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight main roads. Okay, don't forget, he launched the defensive in December, in the worst conditions. So army needs roads and crossroads to deploy, but also to retreat. You don't go with a tank in the field. You stag in the mud. Okay? The third decision. The only reserve on the Eisenhower's level are the two airborne divisions, the 82nd and the 101st Airborne. And they just came back from the Holland campaign two weeks before. The guys were resting in Montmelon, Sweep in France, and we're already spending some nice time in Paris, okay? Uh, convinced that they would stay there for Christmas, New Year, because they were short in guys, uh, short in equipment, no, no uniforms, totally exhausted, and they had to go back to combat. Some committed suicide because they, wouldn't, they, they didn't want to go anymore, okay? And the fourth decision, two strategic. Sinvi, Bastogne, the 7th 
armored division was sent to Sinvit. And the first unit to be sent to Baston is Command Command B, 10 armored division. That's the first unit who arrived in Baston. That's Combat Command is about 2,800 soldiers. Okay, it's an armor unit. So it's not the one who first day, one who arrived first, it's a Combat Command of 10 armored division. And that Combat Command arrived late in the afternoon, 18, begin night, uh, 1819, to build up three roadblocks, north and east of Bastogne. The American troops from the 28th retreated from the Luxembourg border. Okay, but thanks to the delay action, the fights of the guys of the 110 Infantry Regiment, 28th Infantry Division, the, ray, the, the race for Bastogne is won by the Allies. It's a race against time. Okay, but at the beginning, don't. Bastogne is not a main objective. As I told you, no, bypass. And the, 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 the 26th Volkskrader Division has the mission to seize Bastogne. Okay. Germans are arriving, bypassing. The 101st Airborne left Montmelon sweep in the 82nd, behind the 82nd, with 13,000 guys on board of open tracks, so no jam. Okay, and arrived during the night of 18, 19 December. A column turned there. Okay, it's about 400 trucks with trailers in which the guys were standing all the movement. Okay, and the regiments unloaded in small villages and the battalion started to reinforce these roadblocks. Okay? Pastoid must be defended. The commander of the 8th Corps, Middleton, said to General Bradley, we might be surrounded. It's a risk that we have to accept, but we need to keep the control of that main um, crossroad. Okay? In all that confused situation, because it's really a mess, Troops are retreating, a lot of units were totally disintegrated, a lot of woundings captured in the north, more than 10,000 soldiers were captured from the 106 Infantry Division, okay? Everybody knows where the Germans are going. And the aim of that offensive would be known only after the war, when American officers interrogated generals about what was the aim of that offensive, okay? In all that confused situation, General McAuliffe, who was the commander of the 101st Airborne at interim, decided to leave his medical company right here at that crossroad, convinced that the medical company would be in a safe place at the rear. But the Germans are bypassing, and a recon unit arrived here late on the 19th December, and the entire medical company was captured. It's a big shock for the defenders. <clears throat> you know how the second medical echelon works? You understand the importance? If he's wounded on the battlefield, okay? I, medic on the battlefield, combat medic, I just bandages the of morphine, and he goes to an aid station. In the aid station, you have a, a, a doc, okay? And he 
looks priority. If you are wounded in the arm, forget or again, for example, you're missing a finger, it's not so important. But if you have bullet in your stomach, that's priority one. Then condition, and then you're sent to the medical company, and it's the first ashram where they do a chirurgical intervention. 80% is cutting legs and, and, and arms and hands and so on. And at the beginning of the battle, they lost the entire medical company. Okay? Again, 19 December. Okay? Huge conference in Vietnam at Bradley's HQ. After one hour, Eisenhower, after having explained the situation, he turned to Patton and said, George, we already have received an order to cancel his offensive. Are you, when are you ready to counterattack? In two days. Yeah, the anti-Patton said, yeah, that's again the big months of Patton uh, in two days. And even Eisenhower said, George, a little bit serious. It's the main German offensive. But Gerald Patton left the conference room, took the telephone, phoned to his chief of staff and gave only one word, nickel. That was the code name of his plan. Everything was ready. And exactly two days later, on the 22nd of December at 0530 in the morning, he counterattacked with three division on line with the main effort given to the Force Army Division. Mm -hmm. No time to waste in new plans. Everything was ready. That is absolutely huge and, and, and fantastic because when you are deployed with your units, combat units here, imagine you are preparing, you are going in that direction, prepare an attack in that direction. Your support units, your command, your HQs are behind you. And suddenly you have to turn 19 degrees and go north. You see? And make it possible that other units come and continue to defend the front. You may not accept an opening in your front. That's used, but everything was prepared. Okay? Is that shown on this map here? Big one? Is that shown on this map here where Patton came? Afterwards. Out? Afterwards. There's blue arrows there on the side. Yeah, so, I have a question. Mm -hmm. So, if Patton hadn't done that secret preparation, the war would, it would have been very different. Yeah. If they didn't stop him, in October and November, it would have been on the rain, and the bullets would never have happened. But, but, I would say this: he became one of the greatest generals due to this. Yeah. Also, he yeah. said, "One man." Biggest operation is the Better It's always a soldier to be surprised. That's the way it is. Okay? 20 December 44. Okay? Till then, no air support. Gloomy weather. It's raining, a lot of fog. The roadblocks are retreating. And slowly, slowly, the Germans are surrounding the small city of Bastogne. 21st of 
December, it's really a changing of weather. It starts freezing, it starts snowing, and that's the beginning of a very awful winter. One of the hardest winter of the century, okay? And the 21st of December, that last road here is cut. 18,000 American soldiers are surrounded. Not 2,000, okay? 18,000 and about 2,500 civilians. Mainly from the 101st Airborne, 30,000. And from Command Command B, and other units, like the 705 Tangus Warrior Battalion, the remnants from the 28th and from the Command Command R and Mines Army Division. 18,000 in that pyramid. 22nd of December, the Germans arrived, four German emissaries arrived with a, in a small car, German car with a white flag. Do you know why? Over a message. Yeah. It's not exactly a message, but a... a <laughs> well, or a demand, I suppose. Uh, yeah, a demand. They should okay. surrender. And, uh, they were stopped just at the front line and the two officers were brought to, the, to a farm. That farm is still existing, okay? Mm. And they said, we have a document for your command. We have a demand. Yeah, the platoon leader is totally surprised. The platoon leader mm -hmm. <laughs> to the company commander. The company commander, also surprised. Mm -hmm. To the battalion commander. Battalion commander, what do you To the regiment. The regiment, mm -hmm. to the division. Bring that demand. <coughs> Two officers, then we were blindfolded on board of a jeep, arrived after a 10-minute drive to avoid that the Germans would no, uh, know where the company command post was. Arrived at the company command post, blindfolded and brought to the foxhole uh, where the company command. And the estuary officer of the glider regiment arrived with the jeep, took the documents and brought them to the military barracks where Division HQ was deployed. The Major Jones arrived with the two documents, one typewriter in German, one typewriter in English. Okay? Then he met the G1 officer. The G1 arrived with the two documents and Major Jones in Macaulay's office, a small cellar in the military barracks, and said, Sir, the Germans are there with the demand of surround. And uh, G1 started to, to read the document. And then suddenly, Macaulay exploded. When the G1 read, yes, it's, it would be the responsibility of the Americans if they don't surrender, that all civilian casualties is their responsibility. The, Macaulay exploded and said, oh, this fucking asshole may go to hell. Oh, nuts. Then he left the conference room. Then Major Jones left the office, went back to the front line, arrived at company's foxhole and said to the Germans, it's negative. The German arrogant, they said, we gave you an official demand, we are, we wait from you an official response. Oh, Major Jules, totally surprised. Okay, he formed two East Regimental Commander, the East Regimental Commander to the division, come back to the uh, division HQ, so Major Jones, back to the division HQ, Met underway is uh, regimental commander. Both arrived uh, at Macaulay's office again. And they said, sir, the Germans are still there. They're waiting for you an official response because they gave you an official demand. What should I respond? What you said, 
answer at the GE3. And uh, it's hard to beat. Yeah, you may not write on the, on the document, this fucking asshole may go to hell. <laughs> and uh, but the GT said, but you said not, sir. Or oh, everybody agreed and said, uh, yeah, okay, close. Typewriter, rapidly type a, a document to the German commander, not the American commander. And then Macaulay gave that answer to Colonel Harper and said, Joseph, I want you to bring, to give personally that demand to the judge, that's response to the German, but don't leave our lines. So Colonel Harper and his S3 officer drove back to the company Foxhall, picked the two Germans in their Jeep and drove back to the farm. And they were allowed it to take off the blindfold. And the German captain tried to understand the response to the German commander, not the American commander. And then turned to Colonel Harper and said, is it positive or negative? And Colonel Harper was getting uh, angry and turned to a private pre-mets from American soldiers from German origin and said, tell them it's the same, it's the same as a take a flying ship. <laughs> but the German, that the young soldier couldn't understand, uh, couldn't translate it and said, it's the same as go to some Teufel, I may, you may go to hell. But why did the, the Germans do that? Why did they present that document? What do you think about it? You are surrounded, nothing goes in, nothing gets out. Bad weather, you are not resupplied. Soldiers are dying because they don't have the right medical care. And when you're totally surrounded, and that's happened on the, in the north where 10,000 American soldiers were captured because surrounded, okay? It would save them time, lives, material if the American had accepted. But for a paratrooper, for an airborne unit, that's a normal situation. At the beginning, you are surrounded when you jump, but you need to be resupplied, okay? And that's what happened on the 23rd of December. Blue sky, and then suddenly two C-47s who left from, uh, took off from England, arrived, and 20 pathfinders jumped. These are the only ones who jumped, okay? To mark out two zones, one dropping zone and landing zone, followed one hour later by squadrons of C-47s arriving from the south and arriving from the west. Several planes arriving from the west were shut down because they feel about strong anti-aircraft defense. German anti-aircraft defense, okay? So imagine, suddenly, the defenders in this blue sky, and then you see blue, yellow, red, white, green parachutes, because the Americans used the color code for the parachute to identify immediately which kind of parachute was, uh, which kind of resupply was dropped. Yellow is medical, white is food, red is ammunition, okay? Back here, on the 22nd of December, and it's important to understand and to have a vision of the general battlefield. That's Bastogne. That army here, Zipton Army, German Zipton Army, has 
build up flank defense. Around Bastogne, the German units are free to move and to try to break through. And then on the 22nd of December, Patton counterattacks from the south. Made effort given to the force to break through and make contact with the defenders. That counterattack happened on the 22nd of December, about 16 kilometers south of Bastogne. That's not far. Okay, south is here. Right? Okay. 24 of December, second day of air resupply. Fed. Is it okay for you? He's just standing. He's just standing for a minute. Okay. Every C-47 was only loaded one third of its capacity. Okay? You have two kinds of big packs, big containers. One para-pack under the belly of the plane. Quite easy to release them. Co-pilot released the para-packs. But the bundle packs were inside the plane and had to be pushed out by the crew chief. But when a plane arrived at the southern limit and reached again the northern limit, they had 40 seconds to go. Because it's 8 kilometers half, 180 kilometers per hour, it's quite easy. And why only loaded one third? Because the plane, once having dropped some para packs and bundle packs, turned above enemy lines. And then you avoid the other ones. You go back, you fly back. Otherwise, if you come back and you drop again, air collision. Okay? 25 December. Good. No air. No air resupply. The weather is. Too much fog and snow, and uh, that situation, that American resistance in Bastogne started really to annoy the Montoyfo. There is a great danger on his flank, and he ordered a deep, uh, he ordered a strong attack. And on Christmas morning, the German attack with two two battalions on the small village of Champ, hoping that the Americans would send reinforcements right there weakening other places and the main attack arrived from the west with 18 tanks and two battalions. But thanks to the leadership of these young NCOs and officers, and don't forget a young platoon leader in Normandy six months before is a company commander in December. Okay? Nine o'clock in the morning everything was finished. The 18 tanks were destroyed and a lot of Germans were captured and killed. That's called darkest Christmas and it was the deepest penetration inside the perimeter, but it failed, lucky enough. Okay? That same day, Patton, who knew about the dramatic situation, medical situation inside the perimeter, asked to his staff, medical corps, who is volunteered to make a flight on board of a glider? And nine guys said, we go. And on the 26th of December, 
beginning in the afternoon, a C-47 towing uh, a glider arrived above Bastogne and the glider landed inside the perimeter with the nine guys on board, no, without any problem, and the nine guys were rapidly split in a different aid station deployed in the, the small city. They've never been in a glider, they had no parachute, and they said, we go. Mm. That's absolutely Followed by 10 other gliders full loaded with gasoline. And all 10 pissing like cows because they were bullet in, in, in the jerry cans, but all 10 landed inside without any problem. Okay? That same day, CCR, 37 tank battalion. Who was the commander of the 37 tank battalion? Who gave the name of a famous tank? Colonel Creighton Abrams. Breaks through and the contact is made with the defenders. A small corridor is open. Okay? 27 of December. 44. Convinced that the Germans would do everything to cut that corridor again, they ordered in and I don't know I said, uh, HQ, a last air supply, and that's the nightmare. 50 guys were engaged, and 17 would never arrive. And the Americans were short in pilots and co-pilots on board of the glider, the pilot was alone. And some were just 18 years old, quali just qualified pilot. So nobody to help you. Any problem, technical problem, wounded or someone, you are alone. So, Heroes are not always guys with rifles. Mm -hmm. And I have to mention this, above all, above all, the victory in the Bulge is a great victory of the US Army Air Force. Once the, interven once the intervention started on the 23rd of December, that was really a nightmare for the Germans. Okay? During these four days of air resupply, the American engaged 1,080 C-47. Not 200, 1,080. 870 C-47 arrived about Bastogne. They engaged 61 gliders, but 17 had or were shut down or had to land before the landing zone. And during these four days of air supply, 900 tons could be dragged in, enough to hold on. Okay? Now, in five minutes, let's say five, five minutes, the briefing will be Finished, and I won't be long, but the worst period is starting now. Why? I told you the Bastogne was not the main objective for the Germans at the beginning. But on the 27th of December, 1944, Hitler had to admit that it would, it's impossible to cross the River Meuse. And if you see the map there, that's the River Meuse, that's the deepest. German penetration, okay, and he had to admit it that impossible to reach the river most, but he wanted a victory, and that victory is Bastogne for him, representing the American symbol of the greatest symbol of resistance during that Western campaign, and he wanted to break that symbol, so he decided. Everything must be made to seize Bastogne. And the fanatic SS units in the north were sent to Bastogne. The worst period started on the 28th of 
December till the 18th of January. Okay? And that's called Come from Bastogne. The Americans try to do everything to open west and east, and the Germans to try to do everything to cut again west and east. On the map here, 24 divisions fought. In January, some units, a daily gain, 15 meters. Even Patton Road, we may still lose the war. Okay? And slowly, slowly the pockets got open with terrible fights and a sudden we need to fight the winter because it's really damn cold and a lot of snow. And slowly, 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 these villages here at all were liberated 13, 14 January. And then at the end of January, between February, the Battle of the Bulge ended. Okay? But who took really benefit of the delay action in the West? The Russians. On 15 January 45, the Russians launched the last main offensive and they were first in Berlin. But, again, but, Hitler could have used his 30th division to build up a very strong defense. Maybe the Americans would have, would have paid a higher price. To break, to break through. Instead of that, he decided to attack, hoping to destroy 30 divisions and to bring them around the table. Instead of them, during the preparation, he, he weakened the Eastern Front and the Russians were first in Berlin. But he saved Germany from total destruction by launching the offensive. By launching the battle of the, the, the offensive in the Bulge, called the Battle of the Bulge, he saved Germany from total destruction. But he will ignore it because he committed suicide on 30 April 45. Can you explain me why he saved Germany from total destruction? He had a scorched earth plan, didn't he? That he wanted to destroy everything. No. He saved Germany by launching the offensive, he saved Germany. If he had delayed the capitulation of Germany for two or three months, the first atomic bomb was planned to be dropped on Berlin. Yeah. Instead of that, the Germans capitulated on 7 May 45, and the first positive tests were made in July and used against Japan. And the, the use of the atomic bomb, we have to see wider, saved more lives than killed people. The US Army estimated about 400,000 soldiers killed on the battlefield if they had to land in Japan like they did in Normandy. Why that's true. That's why Battle of the Bird is so important on a strategic point of view. Can I ask you one yeah. question? You said the dates, the times, the dates between when originally planning to drop the atomic bomb on Berlin to the point where he kills himself. He kills himself 30 April. Mm -hmm. Germany capitulated 7 May 45. Mm -hmm. The first positive test of July. The atomic bomb, July 45, mm -hmm. and used again Japan 6 and 9, August. So if they had dug in and set this massive defensive effort, it would have taken a long time for us to penetrate the defenses, which probably would have pushed this several months, which would have been maybe the first target. Wow. 
That would have changed everything. Yeah. yeah. That, that would change a lot of things. But what mm. you're saying about Hitler mm. is that he didn't realize that what he no. did saved Germany. Well, he, yeah, he didn't know. He really didn't know. He didn't know. And also, the use of the atomic bomb saved Western countries yeah. from Russian occupation. Just two minutes. The war was not ended. That Churchill was informed by his intelligence service that the Russians were planning to invade the rest of Europe. And Churchill asked his staff to prepare an, a plan if they had to enter a war against Russia. And that was that plan was called unthinkable. And the use of the atomic bomb stopped Stalin because he said to his foreign office uh, minister, if they can drop the bomb on Japan, they can drop it on Moscow. Okay? And then the Cold War started. <laughs> and the Cold War started. And the pilot said, it's now, pay attention, there is a new enemy. You know? That was amazing. Thank you for attention. Thank you. Hop, hop, mal me dit, ici, alors, trois ponts, marche. And so at the time, I think Mr. Clanton was up, the 84th was up in here somewhere yeah, in Germany. and near Aachen. Yeah. Moved there. And then they, in, overnight, they had to move yeah. quickly, yeah. and then they met the Germans uh, in Marche. Like the 7th Armored Division, the 7th Armored Division was also in Germany, move, and, but 7th, I had to go to Saint Vite, uh, and a lot of other units who, who made independently movements to, to the front. That's why the 84th Division is the reason that this, yeah. this stops here. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise, it would have expanded this direction, that way. One question. So there were two flanking columns, basically, yeah. and then that crazy general, he was going up the middle to get to Antwerp, right? And I heard a story about these engineers that didn't know how to fight, but they knew how to blow shit up, blow shit up and, and they blocked all the bridges and so yeah, they blocked. They destroyed all the bridges south okay. of the river. Yeah, so where did all that happen? Well, they called them the damn engineers. Okay. Okay. And mainly in the north here, but also in that sector. When the 8th Corps retreated, the commander of the 8th Corps, Middleton, ordered the destruction of all the bridges to slow down the, the German progression. But it caused also problems for the American square that counterattacked. When you destroy a bridge, you can use it again. But the Americans had different pontoon <clears throat> units and, and able to build bridge. that. But at the away time, that was when they were totally by surprise and they were worried about them getting up here yeah. before they could do anything, so they didn't have much choice, right? Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, um, and then I heard that the weather finally cleared. On the Of the 7,000 men that they had here, only they were all killed except for about that. No, no, nothing, nothing north of the river Mose. Okay. Nothing north of the river But the main mission of the engineer units were to slow down the German progression. Because it's a risk against time to save time and to build up a strong defense behind with the arrival of reinforcement. 
And then that general that you said was the SS crazy guy. He he made it back to Germany, right? Here in the north, but that's in, that's in the north. And he was did he get war crime uh, charges and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Dietrich, uh, Dietrich. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. No other questions. And they would have taken any prisoners. Where's Marseille? There. That's there in Bastogne. Where's Bastogne? Yeah. It's we 40 kilometers from here. Started there and come Yeah. Hansel lives close to Marsh. Yeah. It's, it, from from Bastogne, it's 40 kilometers. Yeah. But why the 84th on Marsh? Because in Marsh, because it's to protect the N4, and the N4 was the main supply route. Red Bull Express, and that goes to Brussels, Brussels, Antwerp. And also the 84 defended the river Ort in autumn. Yeah, but like Jeff said, we we way up north for the Ninth Army. Yeah. yeah. And then, right there. then we we traveled at night time to come to Marseille. Yeah. 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 It was yeah. about 12 hours or so? How long did it, it take you to I, get there? I don't remember, yeah. but quite a long time. We had to travel all night long in this battle, I think. I remember it was real slow. We, didn't, we couldn't yeah. travel very fast. I remember you told me the MPs were blocking the roads and clearing yeah, the roads. And and all we had on were little bitty lights on the vehicles. Just little bitty specks. You, you couldn't hardly see where you yeah. were going, but uh, we still was moving, you know, moving to... Because you were blacked to get, out. Get to yeah. And when I told you that uh, the Battle of the Bulge is above all a victory of the U.S. Army Air Force, because the U.S. Army Air Force was totally, the sky was totally, totally in their hands. The German Luftwaffe bombed several times, Bastogne and so on, but mainly were above uh, Germany. But when you have the air power, it allows you to make all the movements of your unit with protection. That plays a very important role. When the division like the 84s went from there, there, the 7s from there, there, the 101s during the night and so on, with air protection, that plays a very important role. It would have been certainly different if the Germans were in with power in the sky. The Luftwaffe was done at that point. Yeah, mainly done and uh, mostly about uh, Germany uh, to protect yeah. the industrial That's areas right. and the cities and so on. And by that time, they had no, the, the veterans were in the yeah. East, yeah. and they were all uh, young pilots yeah. with a maximum of 40, 60 hours wow. of training before going to combat. And every American pilot had between 450 and 500 hours training before going to combat. So to clarify, there were no German aircraft over this area at this time? During the night, uh, yes, because Bastogne was bombed for the first time uh, during the night 24-25, and that's what you can experience in the, in the, the bombing shelter. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because they're so close to the lines, they can have their small airfields out there. Yeah. yeah. I was just going to mention my great aunt was Patton's secretary throughout the war. Okay. Yeah. She's from Germany. This is interesting too. Hans is there? Yeah. Oh, Hans, your girlfriend is, is the granddaughter of Oh, okay. So yeah, we have uh, some original items left okay. from the family. And then you saw already. Yeah. Yeah.
And that concludes episode six of our trip to Europe with Mr. Reed Clanton. And as you can, as you heard in the episode, Johnny's just so knowledgeable. He's lived and breathed the Battle of the Bulge uh, nearly his entire life. And you can just understand his level of knowledge. He had, you couldn't see it in the podcast, but he had maps out and he was going through everything. Just simply amazing. And after that overview, after we visited the museum, we went out and actually looked at some of the foxholes that Easy Company from 506 PR, 101st Airborne Division, that was, that was Dick Winter's company from the Band of Brothers, and we actually went out and looked at several of the foxholes that, that they were using and, and some of the strategy behind that. It's just, just simply amazing. Uh, tomorrow we're going to go to Marche, which is where Mr. Clanton did the heaviest of his fighting during the Battle of the Bulge. It was a critical, critical city to hold as well because had the Germans taken that, it would have increased the size of the bulge and helped to uh, help to free their path to go to Antwerp, which is their ultimate objective for the bulge. Really, really want to thank everybody for listening. I'm, we're doing our best to, to bring you right along with us for the trip. We'll do the same tomorrow. Anything that's of interest or interviews and things of that nature, we'll turn them into podcasts. You can follow along the website, which has lots and lots of videos, www.walkamongheroes.org. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, the at sign, and then Walk Among Heroes, a whole bunch of content on there. We're posting every couple hours, different pictures and videos. And if you're interested, those bunkers from the 101st, I did a little video of those and also posted them on on uh, Instagram and Facebook so you can see those on there. Okay, thank you so much for following along. Have a great evening, and we'll see you tomorrow.